0: Welcome to the Workplaces That Work podcast, a show about how putting people first makes teams that last, why this is necessary, and more importantly, how to do it. I'm your host, Deanne Gagnon, and now let's get to work. Hi, welcome back to Workplaces That Work. Today I am excited to share a conversation I had recently with Dr. Tanya Robertson, the founder and CEO of Focus Training Solutions. A company that fixes inefficient onboarding and training programs. She is based in Washington, DC, and brings over two decades of experience in instructional design and training management to the table. With a proven track record of developing multi-million dollar government training programs, she has earned her stripes as an industry expert and wants to put it to work for you and your business. The longer your team takes to onboard and get up to speed, the more growth opportunities and money you miss. Her mission is clear, and that's to help Business owners work smarter and not harder. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation and help your organization level up its onboarding experience. Good morning, Tanya. Thank you so much for joining me on the Workplaces That Work podcast today. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: Hey, thank you, Deanne. It is such a pleasure to be here.
0: So you are the founder and CEO of Focus Training Solutions, which I would love for you to kind of tell me more about and kind of how Focus Training Solutions came to came to be.
1: Yeah. OK. So we are an employee um, training agency located here in the DMV area. And so for those that may not be familiar with the DMV area, that's DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And so we fix inefficient onboarding and training programs for businesses and nonprofits. And so, um, let's see how we came to be. (laughs) So my background is in education. So I was an educator for many, many years. And so in just looking for a more progressive career, I stepped out into the path of government contracting, right? And so there I was able to just kind of marry my love for adult education, tech, business, all of those things. And so at that stage, that's when I created the umbrella for Focus Training Solutions. So from then it's kind of morphed into um, its own special uh, solution for business owners and nonprofit leaders, like right after they hire. And that solution was based on um, many of my personal experiences.
0: What kind of personal experiences do you think it was that kind of led you to want to really
1: focus on the onboarding? Um, Deanne, oh my goodness. So one of the things I personally struggle with, and I just kind of witnessed a lot of other folks struggling with was like immediately after the hire, like we were super excited to hire like yes, I'm going to bring in this new employee, this new team member, thinking of how awesome it would be to have this person on board and how much free time we were going to have because they were just going to come in and magically take away all of our, reduce our workload instantly. And, you know, like all was going to be perfect in a perfect world. Well, what, the realization was is that in bringing a, another person on it introduced while yes, you know, after you're able to delegate to them and yes, learn how to properly assign them tasks, um, there was still the responsibility for another being on your team. So it's kind of like bringing on, um, I like to think of it as, as bringing someone else's child over for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, you do get to send them home, but while they're there with you, like it's, it's your responsibility. Um, so, and, and what I found is that, um, the business owners after the hire, they lack the strategy, they lack the mindset to be able to manage the plus one or plus two that they were adding to their team. Right right? And I can even think
0: back to times in the past when I've started new jobs. I remember I started a job with a government agency, and I was so excited to get going and start this new role. And for the whole first week of that job, they gave me a whole bunch of brochures and manuals and stuck me at a cubicle in a corner and said, okay, just read up on this. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm just sitting here alone. Like, I can't help but feel like onboarding really can be such a missed opportunity to set a, a tone and to really welcome someone that's onboarding, right? Like welcome them aboard the team. So what are your thoughts on on that when when that kind of thing happens, when people are starting and just kind of plunked into a corner?
1: Um, well, kind of twofold for me. Like, I feel so bad for the new employees because I feel like there's there's this huge gap. There's no one to advocate for them because it's like you know the the role is new, so you know you're preserving what's really on your mind because they put you here in this corner with, with the big binder of like stuff to read because, you know, you're the new kid on the block and you really want (laughs) to keep your job. So um, there's that. And then I feel like it's such a missed opportunity for the employer to connect and to um, just really engage that individual into the culture um, to ingrain them so that they can be an advocate for the company. Um, And just from what I understand and from what I've experienced, you know, once the employees are really ingrained and they feel like they feel seen and they feel heard by the employer, then, you know, there's the biggest cheerleaders they are. Yeah, absolutely. So what can employers do to create a successful onboarding experience? Yeah so some of the one of the things that um I see that's often missed is there's this perception that it's a one size fits all type of ordeal when it comes to onboarding and really it's not it's not at all so you know if the company or organization is able to offer some type of learning paths learning paths are an awesome solution to um, just presenting the employee with various options throughout that onboarding um, process. Um, Some other things that I see that could really be a fix as far as onboarding skills, um, just the whole onboarding process, I should say, is really knowing up front from the employer what needs to be measured. Um, So kind of like starting with the end in mind. So when you start with the end in mind, then you're able to really know and really uh, be able to put the pieces of the puzzle in place correctly as far as what you need to evaluate so that you're doing those things on the front end. Um, Let me see, rushing the process. So, you know, we all want to make sure that we get those new hires up and onboarded and trained as soon as possible, which yes, that will happen. Um, but negating some of the key things that I just mentioned and rushing the process um, can really be detrimental um, to the long-term goal of the company, because you're really going to have to just kind of do it over again. Uh, there was a saying that my grandmother used to say, and I'm probably going to screw it up, but it's like, if you you don't do it right the first time or something like that, then you're you're gonna have to make time to do it the second time. Um, yeah, but anyway, you you're going to you're gonna have to come back and fix it. And in the meantime, it's just it's simply costing money. um, it's costing time. And with business owners and nonprofits, anyway, they're limited resources. So my suggestion is to just do it right the first time, yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think if you're not doing it right the first time, it's I think trust gets lost in there, right? Because if you bring someone in, it's what what do they say? You have one chance to make a first impression. Right. So now you're you have to not only are you not doing it right the first time, now you're doing it again, but you also have to do some some like fixing and some course correction along the way because now you have to earn that the new hires kind of trust to understand that you're going to actually do things right.
1: Yeah, damage control is what I like to call it and I equate <laughs> it often to um, you know, the space of dating. You know, um have to put your best foot forward and oftentimes that first week can tell you a lot about the employer, just their organization. You know um, how organized they are, how well thought out their onboarding and um, training program is, and just a lot about their pro- internal processes and procedures. And so uh, for many of the new hires that I have engaged with, a lot of them, like during that first two weeks, um, some of them have made up their mind during that time frame that, hey, I'm not going to be here long, or actually submitted their resignation just because of the crappy onboarding and training uh, process.
0: So say someone comes to you a new hire a couple weeks in and is just saying you know what I don't see myself being here long because of the crappy onboarding process what is something an employer can
1: do like what can they do for damage control in that moment? I think communication um, just being very upfront with the employee and just sharing where you are in the process. Um, you know, many employers, they just something that they don't want to admit when they have shabby processes or something is wrong. So I think just having a very transparent conversation saying, hey, we understand that this is what it is, uh, presenting them with a plan to work on it. Um, So that that layer of trust can be established and being, um, if you say you're going to do something during that process, make sure, absolutely sure that you are being an employer of your word. Yes, definitely. That is so
0: huge, something that I see working with teams a lot when I talk about ways that um, maybe potential issues that they have with an employer or leader. A lot of time they say they're sick of the lip service. They're sick of these false promises mm-hmm. that people aren't following through on. And again, that's another opportunity to build trust and show that you're an employer that people will want to stick with because you're going to stand by your word. Absolutely. I agree, Deanne. I would love for you to tell me about your um your GROW framework and maybe if you can walk me through that.
1: Yeah. Yep. So the growth framework is um, one of the framework that we actually use once an employer um, chooses us to help them solve their problem. Um, So first, you know, we have the, of course, the acronym, the G. And so one of the things we work on first with them is the goal. So we start, we always start with the end in mind because we see the disjointedness of the employer's the training being created and it doesn't map back to any higher level business goals. Um, so we make sure that all of that's situated and uh, really firm and solid first, right? And from there, then we move into the other parts of the um, that the, what we need to create a successful um, onboarding and training program. Like what does the person need to know to be able to help the company move forward? per that goal, right? And then we go to next to R, which is the resources. So we think about, you know, what existing do you have? Sometimes, you know, most people do have something in place. It may be very uh, fragmented and and disjointed, but they do have something. So we do take a look at that and, you know, see if it's anything worth salvaging. Um, So there's that. There's uh, just evaluating resources across the board, the people, um, any additional money, that may be needed um, and what's the budget? And then we go on to the O part, which is the actual onboarding and training. So we think about with that, um, the actual content that's going to be needed, delivery methods and and things as such in that category. And then the W is the wrap up. So with the wrap up, we're always looking to see how we can improve you know, we're gathering feedback, we're speaking with the team members. So it's a really a point of listening and evaluating so that you can do it all over again um, and start from square one and then make those improvements. Thank you.
0: Thank you for sharing that with me. I think it makes a lot of sense. And starting with the end in mind is such a huge piece because an analogy that I like to use a lot is just paddling with one paddle in a circle when you can't even see a shore and you're not sure where you're going. And when you have, when you're helping organizations start with the end in mind, do you find that
1: really helps them gain clarity? Yes. So uh, lots of clarity, and often you know we stay kind of stuck there a little longer than we'd like to because. Um, you know that, that point. It really highlights how unclear the um, business owner, or just it, unveils some of the foundational concepts that really need to be given more consideration. And so that is usually where a lot of aha moments happen at that very first stage.
0: Yeah, I can see that absolutely, and likely time spent reflecting in a way that normally doesn't happen.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, And, you know, it's just a lot that really can be identified at that point. Um, You know, they're often sometimes, you know, we reveal that, hey, you know, there's some other aspects of the company that need to be worked on as well outside of training. Um, So, you know, it's it's an exciting, uh, very pivotal, pivotal phase that I love. That's my favorite stage.
0: Yeah. I guess so. It's like the exploratory kind of helping people find their their solutions that they have already. They don't even necessarily realize it until the, yes. you, you're kind of guiding them there.
1: Mm-hmm. And oftentimes at the uh, conclusion of that, when we wrap up that phase and we're shifting into the resources phase, um, the the enjoyable part for me is that the CEO is usually very empowered at that point because they you know they feel like hey i've really rethought this and you know we have a solid strategy a solid foundation to build upon that
0: yeah definitely it makes them feel confident moving forward yes. so with your with focus training solutions your focus is on fixing inefficient employee onboarding and training programs right so what do you yes. think- What do you see or what arises as what causes these
1: inefficiencies? Um, Well, for small business owners and nonprofits, and so our sweet spot, I don't know if I mentioned this, is um, 25 or fewer employees. So, usually in that space, there's just limited resources, and one in particular is money. And so, because You know, the organizations, the companies, they can't afford to hire a full HR staff. You know, they can't always afford everything they need, their pension pennies and and juggling between time and just a lot of of other hats that they're wearing in the business, making sure that the marketing is on point, uh, making sure that the operations really um, stay strong. So with that. Like they are that is where the the problem really comes into play. The lack of resources,
0: right. So what are some solutions or suggestions or kind of creative ideas that come up to help organizations work around this? Because resources is the tricky one. It's not something yes. that we can just snap our fingers and have more money coming in or have more people or more manpower. So what what do you recommend when an organization feels kind of stuck due to uh, like the resource component?
1: Right, so, you know, well, that's one of the reasons why we exist because we kind of stand in that gap at a lower price point than, you know, bringing on a, a higher price, being able to afford an HR team, so there's that. And then there's, um, you know, utilizing other resources, there's LinkedIn Learning, there are other learning libraries out there where, you know, in the meantime, you're able to pull from maybe the soft skills library of these um, learning resources. You're able to do that. Um, You're able to just kind of do some of this yourself as far as creating your own um, training, like recording yourself as you're working using applications such as Loom, or even if you're on Um, Zoom, you can pull up your Zoom and hit the record button and just kind of record yourself as you're working and just kind of pass that off to another um, assistant or someone that you have that can just help to facilitate some of these uh, processes or create some trainings or create your own training library, I should say. Right.
0: Yeah, that's a really good idea, actually, because who better to learn from than the people who are actually doing the jobs right and that sounds to me too like it's beneficial in the sense of maybe if you're doing a loom video or zoom and recording training so people can see because I know people have so many different styles of learning and some people Mm -hmm. learn from seeing but it's also if you are an organization with less than 25 employees when someone new comes in, we don't always have the manpower to give up another staff member to be training them full-time either. So yes, I think that, yeah, have, recording it and having a video like that is a really clever solution.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, it It's worked wonders for um, some of my clients that have not been able to, you know, afford a, a higher price solution.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, can you think of a time when an organization hired you to come on and help with their onboarding, but maybe didn't even realize that they were doing a terrible job?
1: Yes. So that happens frequently. And so in most instances, when that has been the case in the past, it was just simply because they weren't listening. They haven't taken the time to listen or survey their team. Um just that simple non-communication step um, in which, you know, once that was done, because usually at the very beginning, we'll do uh, team surveys. If they do have an existing team, we're talking to the team, we're surveying the team just to get their um, anonymous feedback. And so many of the employers have been just shocked that their team has felt that way about their internal processes, their onboarding, and felt that the existing onboarding was just useless and felt that the existing training was, you know, there's nothing in it for them. And it's pretty much a waste of time. So, that helping, just being the employer and wearing all the hats, as we talked about a moment ago, sometimes it's so easy to disconnect from what's really happening in the business. And so, you know, they, they tend to bring in people and just kind of put them over here, here, go do your job, let them sit on the shelf and, and take care of this thing. And, you know, they're off doing what they do best, trying to bring in sales or being the expert in their lane of genius. And it's just easy to, to just have this disjointed communication process. So that's been my experience.
0: Yeah. And that
1: makes a lot of sense
0: because even I find when I work with teams in a, like in a workplace culture improvement capacity, I've reached out to organizations who I've had people tell me, our team needs help. And I've reached out and had the CEO or the manager or the leader, whoever it might be say, okay, thank you for um letting me know you exist. We're good right now. Thanks. And I'm like, you're not, oh, <laughs> your man. team is asking for help. So because that I find myself is one of the biggest struggles is how do you help the, the boss, the CEO, the manager realize when they might be the problem or perpetuating
1: the problem? Right. And so for me, it's been easier to convince business owners more so than leaders in larger, you know, other organizations, because we mm-hmm. have in the past and we still sometimes do serve larger organizations, but our marketing is towards 25 employees or, or fewer. Yeah. So, and I say that because business owners, they, the business is their baby. And so they can directly feel the impact versus more so a leader of, another organization that's not really theirs. They're just filling in the, you know, they're just performing in that role. So it's like their check is going to come regardless. Whereas the business owner, you know, if things go wrong, then, you know, not so much. So it's a little easier for me to show the business owner, like how this is impacting your pocket. And how it can get worse.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does, because when it's a small business, definitely they're so much more connected to every person. Because like, no matter the size of an organization, every single person is there for a reason and for a purpose. And they're serving their, their purpose, I guess, to say it again, of being there. But in a smaller business of less than 25 people, you really feel it. More. yes absolutely so one one last uh question or comment i guess for you is say i say there's a small business and they're onboarding they've got someone new starting tomorrow and they happen to be tuning into this episode what is one thing that you could recommend to them that will make their onboarding process more successful
1: I'd say be sure to set clear expectations up front. Spend some time before that um, the new hire comes on board to be clear, absolutely clear about what um, they will be, they will need to do. What success looks like in their role um, overall, and then identifying a few, at least no more than three tasks that need to be that, that they will need to kind of get smart at, uh, during the first week. Um, and those tasks will be associated to like, what's really going to help move the needle in the business. Um, so that would be first, like be super clear, spend some time in a quiet room with a notebook because, um, oh my goodness, it happens so often. Um, uh, the, employees come in and it's like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to give her today and that in your case when you were sharing your onboarding experience that's how that's how we end up because I've had a similar experience that's how we end up in a corner with the book because it's like they're fumbling at the last minute I don't know what to do with this person so um again brainstorm get in the corner, timeout notebook, set those clear expectations about what needs to happen. That way you can get the employee to productivity much faster. Definitely, and you know it's funny, I was thinking as you just said
0: that, we don't just knock on the door and say, hi, I'm starting today. They know, you usually get hired yes. in advance. So it's like, I think that alone sets a tone for how valued someone feels starting in an organization that has known for a month, from now that I'm gonna be starting and I've still been put on the back burner, that they haven't spent the time, put themselves in the room to do the brainstorming and really think, how can I help bring this person on board, make them feel like part of the team, get them going productivity-wise to make them feel like they're actually contributing.
1: Yes, yes. It is definitely a testimony to the organization for sure. Absolutely.
0: Well, Dr. Tanya Robertson, thank you so much for taking time out uh, this morning to chat with me and anyone who is running a small business or a nonprofit, this is absolutely going to be an episode to help people out. And how can we find you?
1: Yes. Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn at Focus, that's with the E D F O C U S E D Training Solutions. Um, That is the best place to find me. Or if you want to check out our website, go to Solutions.com. Perfect.
0: And I'll, of course, link all of those in the show notes. And I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me this morning. All right. Thank you, Deanne. It was great talking with you as well. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Workplaces That Work. If you would like more information on how I can work with your team to help them thrive and reach their full potential, you can email me at hello at DeanneGagnonDynamics.com. Any resources mentioned in today's show will be shared in the show notes. If you know anyone who you think might benefit from what was discussed on today's show, I would absolutely love for you to share it with them and please leave a rating and review because that'll help other like-minded individuals find the show. In the meantime, remember to be the leader you wish you had.